my wife asked me out for a conversation yesterday and she just wrote down every single thing I'm doing right now on a piece of paper. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she said, this is insane. In this episode, we talk about change. This is Mega Maker episode 30. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Mega Makers, welcome back to the show. Uh, I think you know what happens when I take a break. We ended season two a while ago, and here we are, episode 30, which is really uh, the first episode of season three. And I'll do, I don't know, 14, 15 episodes a season. And every time I stop doing the show, every time I take a break, I have time to reflect. And for creative people... I think that's important. We need time where we stop grinding, where we stop making things, where we just let ourselves exhale a bit and, you know, evaluate where am I headed? How am I going to get there? And is what I'm doing right now the best way to get there? You know, six, seven, eight months ago, I quit working full-time for the first time in 14 years. I, my wife and I, when we had our first child, we decided, you know what, Justin, you're going to go work a real job. You're going to put your kind of entrepreneurial or creative dreams on hold a little bit and just buckle down and provide for the family. And I did that for 14 years. And then, you know, this past year, all of our kids were in school and we thought, okay, let's give this a go. Let's, let's try, you know, to not work for a boss or not work for consulting clients. Let's, let's make our own stuff. And that was the genesis of this whole show was me thinking, wow, what, what if I made a hundred things? You know, <laughs> kind of like a kid in a candy store who has no spending limit, just went in there and just went crazy. And I don't know if you remember this conversation I had with Peldi. Peldi is the founder of Balsamic, which is a hugely successful software company, someone I really admire. And I was wondering what he would think about this whole idea. And so uh, now the question for me is, do I want to run a real company? Right. Or do I want to do stuff like this, which is I go over here and I collaborate a little bit and I you know, make some money and then I go over here and I do this and, you know, and, uh, yeah, I got to, that's the decision I have to make now. I think you need to, well, my suggestion would be to, uh, make a deal with your wife that for 2016, you're not going to make that decision. Yeah. Right. For 2016, it's going to be a crazy year of trying everything, learning everything, meeting a ton of people. Um, and that's it. And then, you know, and, and, and not thinking about real life. Yeah. And then after a, a whole year of this, that's already a lot. I, you can do it even six months if that's too much. Right? <laughs> uh, after a whole year of this, this is a super luxury to be able to do this. Yeah. And you're paying for yourself. You know, you're still, you're, you're, you're making money along your way. Yeah. But after this, you will be so, so much wiser 
and you will know what you like, and you know what you don't like, you will know what you're yeah. good at, you know where the money is. Um, yeah. It's like you're taking a year off after a year off after college, but for grown-ups. <laughs> it's for grown-ups, exactly. Man, listening to that now, it almost feels prophetic or something. Because here I am, uh, you know, it's been, like I said, six months. We're, I don't know, we're, it's July. We're seven months in to 2016. And I did that, you know. <laughs> I went out and I tried everything. I learned everything. I talked to everyone. Um, and even Peldy was like, man, a year's a long time. But even after six months, you know, you'll have learned so much. And I feel like I'm at that point right now. And now it feels like I need to focus, <laughs> you know, I've, I've been eating this diet of like just trying everything and now I want to simplify, I want to narrow in on, you know, the things I'm good at. And in this reflective stage of my life, I just keep hearing, like I was listening to my friend Chase's podcast the other day, he does a podcast over at fizzle.co and he was talking to Corbett Barr and he said this. Yeah, you know, and then you'll realize, oh, I know how to make things. I know what I'm good at. I know what I want to talk about. And I've been building this audience and a few of them have been into this topic the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, I keep joking that this is like my early midlife crisis. And as Peldy predicted, it really has kind of worked itself out like that. This has been mostly about me figuring myself out, figuring out what I'm good at, what, I, what audience I really like serving where I can make a difference and still make a living at the same time. And, you know, the hardest part about this break in between Mega Maker seasons is this realization that I can't help all of you. That's really hard. I, coming into this in January, I pulled my existing mailing list and asked people to kind of identify who they were. And... The biggest group was software developers, 42%. Second group is people who self-identified as entrepreneurs. Um, third biggest group was people who are writers. And what kind of unified these people and the reason why they were on my mailing list was they were people who wanted to earn an independent income from the things that they create. But I also identified that there were some people out there that were just like really into, for example, hardware hacking. And from a purely just, you know, enjoyment perspective, they really just love, you know, building little robots and making things. And I kind of initially wanted this show to be about both of those things in tandem. This idea that life is better when you make stuff and also exploring this idea of how can we earn an independent income from the things we make. And I was having this chat with my friend Paul and Jared. These are guys I meet with every week and kind of like we have little therapy sessions. Here's one. And there's like a really big divide with creativity and money. And I think it hits a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that you've done really well, Justin, is kind of bridge that gap in some ways, right? Because you've reached people who are actually trying to earn a living, you know, building startups and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you, but you also have the more kind of social or kind of personal art side of it. Mm -hmm. So 
um, I wonder if it's not as big of a divide as you think. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I think what I'm coming to grips with is, though, is like Grizzly Bear is not my audience. I was, I was right. hoping yeah. that they would be. Um, or I, I, that was my kind of fantasy was that they would be. But when I actually look at the people, like if you look at the people who are posting on Mega Maker, posting it, and the people mm-hmm. that are kind of actively, and even like if you look at how the show has evolved, uh, the truth is I don't like making shit with my hands. And so I tried to bring them into the fold and I, that more I, and they're resistant. Well, no, they were initially into it, but the, the more, you know, the more I do the show, the more I realize like, I don't really want to go initially. I thought I would really want to go interview the guy that makes the handmade steel drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I just don't, I don't want to go talk to him. You know, the people that are really into this, like really into this, are software developers in San Francisco that are right. sick of working for the man. Like a lot of what I, I communicated, like we own you and all that shit, like was saying, you know, there is, there's this myth that if you work really hard, an employee, employer will take care of you. And so I think there, I can still maintain some of that, but I just need to be honest with myself about like who's actually my customer and i and i i think i'm realizing that part of me was doing this for my ego so that when i went to xoxo when i introduced myself i don't have to introduce myself as the sleazy marketing guy oh i see but i think you can bring that like edge from mega maker to all the product people type things. Yeah, that's what yeah. like if you just merge the energy and you from Mega Maker with all the shit that makes you money. Yeah. Then you still get to make money and you still get to be the person that you are enjoying being more. Yeah, right? exactly. And I, so I I yeah. think that's as I'm talking this out, I think what I'm realizing is just like okay, there's these people I was trying to bring into the fold. They were into it, but really I naturally just went back to what I enjoy. And yeah. and so now I have to be honest about that and and yeah. um, and so I'm gonna have to make some changes. It's gonna mean some people may no longer be into it, um, yeah. but I think overall it'll probably be better. One of the reasons I wanted to kind of share this really what's all a raw episode, my raw kind of process thinking transition is understanding how hard it is to choose a niche, how hard it is to find that group of people that you're going to serve. And, you know, part of me, it felt like, ah, I, I, I did define that. You know, I, I defined a, a mega maker as someone who just loves to make so anyone who's an independent creator. And one thing I discovered about myself is that I don't fit into traditional maker culture. You know, the traditional like DIY soldering and Arduinos and woodworking and wrenches and screwdrivers. I'm, I'm terrible at that stuff. I identify as a maker, but a digital maker, I guess. You know, like the stuff I create is much more likely to end up on Product Hunt than it is in, uh, you know, the DIY subreddit on Reddit. And actually, this points to the second thing I learned, which is while I did build projects just for fun and just for the the sake of making them, I think that is important. You know, there was tons of projects that were just like, just 
doing it for the sake of creating something. And they're almost all digital art projects. Uh, the Six Second Podcast is one. Um, the I'm an effing webmaster essay was another. You know, just like fun, digital, almost art pieces. But I also get really fired up by projects whose purpose is to earn an income. And I realized that that differentiates me from a whole lot of makers. A lot of those people that are really, like, identify as makers are really into just, you know, creating as a hobby or, yeah, that's pretty much it, creating as a hobby. And I wanted to do it for my livelihood. I wanted to be able to make things and support my family with them. And so I had to take a hard look at where I was actually making my money. And I definitely know that I have to, I have to uh, double down on um, mar- the marketing for product stuff is like, that's what my audience seems to want. That's, you know, yep. that's, and that's what they pay you. For. That's what they pay me for. Yeah. Yeah. In any business, big or small, there has to be an alignment between what you're really good at and what people really want. And this can be challenging because sometimes we just don't want to admit what we're really good at uh, for whatever reason, especially when you're having <laughs> when you're having a midlife crisis. You want to go and explore other things, and that's fine too. But eventually you got to look at yourself and say, okay, what am I really good at? And what do people really want? And where is the overlap? And I think I've realized that, you know, a lot of folks that come to me, a lot of the reasons people listen to this show or read my blog, subscribe to my newsletter, buy my book, is they want to know how they can make an independent income from the things they create. So the number one thing I've created this year is Marketing for Developers, which was a a marketing book for independent software developers, and then a companion piece for non-technical people called Marketing for Product People. And that's done about $60,000 in in revenue so far this year. And if I want this to be sustainable, if I want to be earning an independent income for the rest of my life, I need to double down on that stuff. It's like I've been listening to Mike Herrera's podcast. He's the lead singer from the punk band MXPX. And he had this great line at the end of this one episode. That's how we make our money, just doing whatever we love to do, but finding the, finding who loves what we do. So find out what you love and then find out who loves it. And there you go. You have a business. So if there's going to be a theme to season three of the Mega Maker podcast, it's going to be this. Uh, not making a hundred things, not you know trying to please everyone who identifies as a maker, but how can those of us that really want to do this for a long time, make a good living, creating things we love for audiences we're passionate about. If this journey is something that appeals to you, if you want to stay with me or join me for the first time, uh, the best way to do that is megamaker.co slash challenge. That's the, the email list. And um, I'm going to probably reconfigure it a little bit, given my current state of mind. But 
that you can reply to those emails. I love chatting with people on there. Uh, you can also get me on Twitter. I'm the letter M, letter I, Justin. That's M-I, Justin. And I'm that on Snapchat as well. Uh, also, if you like this direction we're headed, go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. It really helps the show get noticed. This theme music is by one of my favorite bands, striker-metal.com. And our podcast is hosted at simplecast.fm. Folks, I appreciate you more than you know. I'm so thankful for you listening, for being along with me on this journey. Hopefully you're getting something out of it. And we'll see you next week for the next chapter of this new season and new kind of refined direction for Mega Maker. See you then.